20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You know, my guest, he's the one and only Mike Wall. You can follow him on X at Mike Wall 68. Mike, great to have you back. Uh, good to be chatting Packers with you once again, even better after a butt kicking of the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday Night Football on New Year's Eve. How have you been and uh, what's new on your side of the world? Hey, Andy, life is good. Happy New Year. And um, yeah, just this season finale upcoming is is for a lot of teams. Has, there's a lot, a lot at stake and it's going to be, I think, an interesting next couple of weeks and hopefully uh, maybe months to the season here. That'd be amazing. You get this weirdo week 18 where like half the games are ultra important and the other half are glorified exhibition games. So it's always like this interesting mix, but um, I'm excited for it. Obviously it makes it more fun when the Packers are on the better side of that and have a, a potential play in game against the Chicago bears. Well, let's kick things off though, before we get there, which we, we absolutely will with Packers Vikings, as mentioned, a huge win for green Bay, never really in doubt. Jaron Hall didn't look the part in that first half. Mullins couldn't really get much going in the second half. Uh, your key takeaways from Packers Vikings this past week. Well, I think you, you always have to be honest with yourself about your opponent when you're playing a four string quarterback um, and you're up 23-3 at halftime, the game's over. It wasn't even, you know, if, if you're watching tape, you kind of start turning the tape off and go to a different game there at that point because there's there's some things you can always take away. But, you know, the game's essentially over at that point that Nick Mullins isn't going to be able to, to lead a comeback. But Jordan Love, he got in a rhythm in the second quarter. And he looked, for me, he looked as good as he's ever looked in a Packers uniform, I think, for the, the second half of that second quarter through the, the entire second half of that football game. Just a really dominant performance. Um, and the, what you love to see is, <clears throat> obviously, he's he's hitting the gimmies, stepping into his throws. A lot of the pre-snap stuff with the, with the uh, communication and identification wide receivers was was high, high level. And so you just feel like, you know, you, you take this game versus maybe Week 18 last year when they're really playing for this kind of a similar opportunity, division opponent, have to win to go in. And you feel like this team's building towards something where you felt maybe that team was hanging on to something. And I think that's kind of a, a, a maybe an exciting dynamic if you're in that locker room for sure. And then and the thing I always come back with when I watch these games is like the difference between the Packers with and without Aaron Jones is is really, really vast. Uh, I think he averaged six yards a carry last week. And it's it's the threat of the big play. It's not like he's followed forward for six yards every play. The threat of the big play, what he's able to make out of nothing, um, it really changes the way a defense has to play. And then I think it gives your offensive line, your tight ends, um, anybody who's you know trying to put some work in Malik Keith, I think I highlighted of doing a really good job. But it gives them confidence. It gives them a reason to block a little bit harder. Not that they're not trying to do their job as well as possible, but there is always that if I'm blocking for Barry Sanders and I know he can go 98 yards every single play, uh, maybe I get an extra half a breath into this into this block and see what happens. So I think those guys are just playing super high level and it's fun to watch. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Malik Keith. I, I really enjoy watching him play um, as a blocker, certainly. But, uh, you know, he's doing some good stuff as a receiver as well. It's a, it's crazy the embarrassment of riches that Green Bay seems to have at that wide receiver position going six, seven deep right now and being able to put different guys in and still find success. 
from your side of things, I know you pointed out one play specifically, and I love the play as well, where the Vikings are bringing slot pressure. I think it might have been Harrison Smith on the play. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and then they hit Romeo Dobbs on the backside of it on sort of like a, a read option. And he's got Dobbs and he just throws it perfectly. And, you know, Dobbs picks up it's probably about eight, nine, 10 yard play yeah. um, on that specific play. But uh, it just felt like Jordan had a phenomenal understanding all day long of where to go with the football when he needed to get rid of the ball fast, when he needed to play within the offense and just sort of hit a deep out route in rhythm, when he needed to buy a little time, when he needed to fade away and throw a deep ball down to Bo Melton or Jaden Reed. I just felt like no matter what question the Vikings asked, he's, he found a way to have an answer for it. Yeah. And again, it's, it's weird because you, you get this, this season is like watching freaky Friday with some of these defenses and the Minnesota Vikings, just from a secondary standpoint, not being on the same page in a handful of plays was it's really it was actually really surprising. I mean, they played they did some things really, really poorly uh, last week and, and deserved to lose that game just based on the performance of their secondary alone. But having said that, like you still have to go out there and make plays. Jordan Love, what Jordan Love's doing better than than he's done all season is, you know, it's easy for us to sit back at the end at the end of the game and go. Why didn't you hit the swing route? Why didn't you throw it into place? Why, you know, why didn't you see that guy coming off the edge and, and make the simple throw? It's almost like when they teach it, it's almost like if then, right? It's a if if this happens, turn on the light switch and do this. But when it's in real time and you're processing all this information, and then you have to throw a perfect pass in stride, that's the hard part of the game. So it's not necessarily like he's when we say processing speed, it's not that he's coming up with new things to think about. It's that he's executing what he's supposed to execute, what like Matt Lafleur wants him to execute. He's just doing it at a very high level. And a lot of that is just, you know, if A, then B, if B, then C. So you're going through the sequential pattern. But the ability to do that at a high level and execute from a physical standpoint is what is what separates, you know, the top 15 quarterbacks from everybody else that really in the world. You know, there's not 32 good quarterbacks in the National Football League. And if we're thinking of Jordan Love now being maybe in that top 15 conversation, that's what separates everybody. That's why you see the game between Jordan and Hill and Nick Mullen and all these other guys, or maybe for the Viking standpoint, you look at the difference between their offense with Kirk Cousins and anybody else in it, and you start realizing how good Kirk Cousins is. I mean, it's a it, there's a dramatic difference in the ability to to make your pre-snap reads and execute at a high level with high play speed and, and competency that a lot of people just can't do. I'm so excited to see uh, you know just how Jordan kind of continues on this pathway. Um, in your opinion. What's been the biggest difference from Jordan earlier in the season up until now when he's been starting to play better? Is it primarily been that processing speed? Has it been better fundamentals? Because it, it definitely seems like he's playing at a much higher level than he was even earlier in the season. I think one of it is that Aaron Jones forces a different the defense to act a little bit differently. A lot of the stuff is a little bit more – a lot of the things that you're seeing are a little more deliberate from the defense. Like In other words, it's easier to read. Um, but for the talking specifically about Jordan – Last week, he had great footwork and great technique. I You can't say that for most of the games. Um, a lot of the games, he throws some things up and it works. You know, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. You miss a lot of the, you know, you looked around. He threw a, a keep pass left over the over the head of, I think it might have been Heath in the end zone two weeks yep. ago. Could have been, a, you know, that, that could have been a worse game. So for me, it's pre-snap process. It's pre, pre-snap identification, communicating with your wide receivers. Because you got to remember in week four, week six, those guys are running the wrong routes. You know, we didn't talk about it that much, but if you watch tape, you know what you're looking at. Like they're running the wrong routes. Some guys are running the same route twice. And so there's a lot of that. 
but really for him, it's just, can I identify what I'm supposed to identify pre-snap and then let my, my body, my brain, like my skill set take over once the ball's hiked. And I think he's just doing a really good job of that. We can call it processing speed, reading, react, whatever you want. But I think when you go into the snap, when you, when the ball's hiked you and you're more confident in what you're supposed to be doing, because you've done a good job of identifying things pre-snap through the motion, through all of the things that we do from a Matt LaFleur standpoint, um, I think that just allows these guys to play faster and with more confidence. I think so too. We're in a million percent in lockstep on that. And it's been, uh, it's been really fun to see him kind of improving this offense together, improve through the course of the season. Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. As you mentioned, you have to understand the opponent that you're playing, but I want to start with the player that you've been kind of banging the drum for all season long. That's been Preston Smith. I thought he was phenomenal in this one again. Um, I think what, a couple sacks forced, you know, uh, forced fumble, another pressure. Um, I think he probably may have come up with another one had Rashawn Gary uh, not come in the, the quarterback's vision and realize he had to get rid of the ball. Cause I don't think it was early in the game. I don't think Jaron Hall recognized he was coming from behind him, but um, just a really outstanding performance again from Preston. He's a really good player. And, and I am the, the thing that's hard is like the Pro Bowl rosters came out this week. And it's like you look at the Pro Bowl roster. It's like okay, well, Joe, you know, Bose is pretty good, and um, Aiden Hutchinson's amazing, and you know, Michael Parsons at the outside linebacker position is so. There's guys at that like that is a premier position in the sport, and so I think what you have to just appreciate about Preston is he is not one of those guys, but he is in that second tier, and maybe from a professional standpoint, like what he brings to what I don't know firsthand but what I have to imagine a guy like that brings to the locker room what he brings to the sidelines from a confidence standpoint from a leadership standpoint I would just be really excited because I know he wasn't necessarily that when he came in I know Zadarius Smith was that guy but it seems like he's grown into that position where he's the guy on this defense that at least I I look to to make a play when a play is there to be made and Rashawn Gary is the certainly the superstar of that group but if you're just talking about the little engine that could Mr. Consistency like, I'm really a big fan of the way he plays football. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And it's been for a good chunk of this season now that he's played at this level, and you nailed it right on the head. It's it's the consistency aspect of it. Um, there's not too many peaks or valleys with Preston. You're getting kind of the same guy every single week, sets the edge well. Again, we're seeing the pressures. We're now seeing some of the impact plays. Uh, he deserves a ton of credit for what he's been doing this season. In a, in a season where the defense isn't getting um, a ton of credit, he definitely deserves his um, I want to talk still about that defense. And was there anything that you noticed that they did different this week? I know we saw we saw a couple slot blitzes from Keyshawn Nixon. We let we saw them let Quay Walker hunt on a couple different plays. He gets a big sack, but um, anything different, or was this just their opponent wasn't quite as good? Yeah, you can always point to there's they brought the pressures got home, so that's a big deal. But why do the pressures get home? Because the quarterback's not very good. Uh, I mean, that's that's just how that works. That's yep. not a knock on anybody. It just is what it is. Uh, they were a little bit aggressive, a little bit more aggressive early in the game, I think, from a run standpoint at the second level. Look, the, this defense goes – this defense is really – is built – like, if, you're, if your front line plays well, then your second level guys play a little bit better and your, thir- and your, and your secondary plays better. I mean, that's – it just – that's how this team's built. And so when you see Preston Smith, Kenny, when you see those guys – I mean, G- Garrett Bradbury and, and, and Kenny Clark, they had a battle a couple of times. Kenny Clark wins a lot of those. And that's yeah. that's just – it happens every time they play, it seems like. And when that does happen, and you have a four-string quarterback, good things seem to happen for the Green Bay Packers. I, I For me, I just watched the defensive line. I thought did a good job of, of holding the line of scrimmage, resetting the line of scrimmage in some instances, and then that carries into what Isaiah McDuffie was doing before he got hurt, what Quay Walker was doing the, almost the entire game. 
from a playing downhill standpoint and how that frees up, you know, uh, Jonathan Goddard, uh, Devontae White, all these guys start playing a little bit better because they have the momentum and feel that, hey, we're actually a lot better than that offensive line. This guy, he's not, he's going to hold the ball longer than Kirk Cousins. Like, you can sit and watch the game and just imagine what they're talking about on the sidelines, right? Oh, he's going to hold the ball a little bit more. Like, this guy's not comfortable in the pocket. And so that gives you confidence, and they just keep building and building and building on it. So I don't think from a schematics point they did – a lot different. I just think the execution is particularly at the defensive line standpoint was really high level. Yeah, it does feel like this is sort of pressure bust a lot of times for this Packers defense when they're getting that pressure. We were Sean Preston, Kenny Devante. Um, it's a totally different defense. We saw them force a couple turnovers this week, which I think changed things up quite a bit as well. Um, but if they can't get that pressure, it's a secondary that can't hold up. Um, even against some backup quarterbacks we saw earlier this season, they got pressure this week, like you said, in large part due to the quarterbacks that they were playing, but you see a totally different defense. Yeah. And you watch, I think it was like the second quarter. And then obviously the, the beginning of the, of the third quarter when Mullins comes in uh, the second quarter, I believe they, they drove down to like, you know, the 10 yard line or something like that and stalled yep. out. But as soon as he had time, it wasn't like guys weren't wide open. I mean, Justin Jefferson was wide open a couple of plays. And then Mullins comes in, comes in, and all of a sudden they start making the out routes and, you know, the 15-yard option routes that we're talking about on TV. Like, those things are there. You have to get home. Even if you're going to drop seven, those things are there. You have to get home. And so, you know, if we as you take that and look forward to this week, that's going to be a big point of emphasis. Is How are we going to get home against Justin Fields? What's that going to look like? Because this guy can do a lot more than Nick Mullins can. Yeah, you certainly can. Speaking of that Packers secondary, I'm intrigued. You've got Jair Alexander coming back this week. You've got Valentine, Valentine, Nixon. Uh, Rudy Ford has not been practicing. He hasn't really been in their starting rotation anyway. You've got Savage, Jonathan Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr. What would your ideal secondary be against this Bears team who likes to run a lot? It's going to be a challenge. They're going to spread the field. Um, they're going to probably run at some of the Packers corners that aren't necessarily as great at tackling. How, how would you set up the secondary for the Packers this week? I'm, I'm going to be very intrigued at how they do this. Yeah, you know, I my initial thought was watching them that they should be running a lot of two slice and running a lot of cover two stuff where the corners got to play up and play the run game and just be able to sit up there and not have to not have to vacate with the uh, with the wide receivers. So. Um, I would say this, if if you believe in the locker room and you believe from a coaching staff perspective that Jair Alexander is, um, is, is honestly coming off this like, okay, I, I get the message and I'm going to show you, I would put him in the starting lineup because he's probably your best player. Yep. And I think and it's not that he can't tackle and it's, you know, it's just that sometimes he doesn't tackle. So, and, and I, I trust him, you know, DJ Moore is a good player. And uh, you're going to see a lot of Khalil Herbert and just, I mean, they're the number of what, six running out rushing offense in the league. They're really, really good. And so you're just, you're going to see a lot of that action, but you're also going to have to cover DJ Moore. They're, they're, they're getting him open and they're running a lot of switch routes and deep crossers with him that are going to be problematic for this team. And so you want your best player on the field. I would keep him in Jonathan Owens in uh, Darnell Savage in, um, whether it's Valentine or Valentine on the other side, probably probably going with the hot hand with thirty five, you know, just just because, and yeah. um, and, and then Rudy Ford or uh, Nixon's just going to probably stay at the slot. That that's what I would do. I might even, you know, I would go as far to say, well, one of the things that's going to be really interesting about this game is like, are they going to play base or nickel? Like, how how are they going to how are they going to play defense against this team, and what does that look like? So, um, 
I would imagine that if you're not going to play a cover two look where you're just having the corner sit on the line of scrimmage, like they're going to have to play single safety with a guy in the box every time, because if you run the option, like as much as the bears do with Justin Fields, I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but like there's, yep. they're going to absolutely get run over if they don't figure it out uh, from that second level linebacker safety area. Hey friends. I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin-Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found game time. Game time is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. Game time is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using game time, stress-free. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Packaday for $20 off. Oh, and Game Time is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code Packaday. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Pick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yeah, the, the, the whole secondary thing is interesting. I'm with you. That's the group I would go with. I thought a little bit about maybe Valentine on early downs, Valentine on past like more obvious passing downs, but I think I'm with you. I think I would just ride the hot hand, stick with Valentine, and then adjust if you need to. Jair, to me, needs to be in there if he's good and ready to go. The answer from Matt LaFleur was a little bit interesting as to whether or not he would get his starting job back, but my guess, if I had to guess, I think he's in there. At least maybe it's like something where he doesn't start the game in the first series and then they just put him in after his, I don't know, whatever, but um, I would expect him to be in there a good chunk of the time, one way or the other, as long as, like you said, he's in the right frame of mind. Um, Two injuries that I wanted to touch base on that I think could have a big impact in this game. Both of these players did not practice on Thursday. Um, We'll stick with defense first. And we just talked about this player. That's Preston Smith. Uh, Preston Smith did not practice on Thursday. He did return in the game. Looked like they wrapped his ankle and he played later in the game. Um, Hopefully this is something where he participates on Friday and is good to go. I think he only, I want to say he might've only played one snap after injuring uh, the ankle though. Uh, 
how we, we just talked about how big Preston Smith is for this defense. Um, I would assume that this is going to have to be a pretty big dose of LVN and, and Kingsley Nigbari if he's not able to go. How would that adjust things for the Packers on defense if he was not able to play? Well, I don't think it just very. I mean, to be fair, my one of my biggest gripes with this team is like they they put their second unit in way too often. I don't I, I don't understand why these guys get so many reps. Um, but I guess in situations like now, it's going to pay off. Experience pays off a little bit, but you're going to see a lot in Lucas Van Ness and Nambari. I don't listen. Darnell Wright is go, that's going to be a good matchup with him and, and Preston or him and Gary, whoever wants to play over on the left at the left defensive end or outside linebacker position. Um, he's a physical dude. On the other side of the ball, I mean, he, that's a that's a mid level at best tackle. And I, you know, I think whether it's Lucas, Lucas Van Ness. Or uh, Enigbari, Lucas Van Ness in particular, you think you should be able to get some penetration in the run game uh, on that side of the football. But neither one of those guys I'm looking at and going, okay, well, you're going to probably count, uh, account for a couple sacks or get something that Preston's going to, that maybe Preston would have got, or, and, and, and you're going to be able to make up for that. So the rotation that they've been doing puts them in a good position to get these guys reps without being tired. I think that's positive. But the real question of this game is going to be can that defensive line figure out the option looks? And to get themselves off the field, because without, you know, one of your better starters and now you're going into the third or fourth quarter and you've been on the field a long time and they're running up and down the field on you and they get 200 yards rushing again. That's where this really, I think, comes into play. It's So for me, it's Preston's a huge um, contributor to this defense. and I'm not trying to minimize that, but I think the, the bigger thing maybe is that you're just missing a warm body on, on a team that likes to run the football a lot. Yeah, I'm with you, too, on the rotations. Not only do I feel like Preston and Gary need to play a bit more, um, I've been harping on for a while. It seems like those two guys go out simultaneously a lot, and you end up with Enigbari and, and LVN on the field at the same time. I'd almost like to see that staggered a little bit more if you are going to take those guys off because it just doesn't feel like you have the same level of pass rush when both are off the field at the same time. Yeah, so the, so traditionally the, the reason they do that is because – Back in the day, offenses offenses would just be like, all right, we're going to slide to this guy, or we're going to chip on this guy. And if you have both guys are in, and they're you know they're right around the same kind of pressure rate right now, right? You know, it, it might make it a little bit different, but I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't disagree with you. I think that the thing that more is more, um, they're they both both groups have the same kind of issue, right? Like Enabari and, and Rashawn Gary oftentimes run up too high, whereas Preston and Lucas Van Ness kind of do this collapse the pocket job. So it would be nice. Maybe it, maybe it is a, like a Lucas Van Ness and Preston one side of the end. Like we actually collapse the pocket and see what that looks like for a while. Instead of always giving an escape hatch out the backside on, on the right. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, I know traditionally that's, that was always the thought process for D coordinators, but um, no, it makes sense. New, new day and age, man, you should be able to run anything at this point. Right. Yeah, that, that would be the hope. Uh, let's go to the other side where you've also got a potential significant injury. Uh, Elton Jenkins did not practice again on Thursday. Uh, His traditional has been that he has not practiced on Wednesday with the knee injury that he's been dealing with. And then he would practice on Thursday. It is Thursday today. He did not practice. I posted the clip. He got rolled up on um, on his ankle a little bit in the game. It didn't look good. He played one more snap and then got taken out mid-series. Sean Ryan went in at left guard. This uh, is another instance where maybe that rotation of John Runyon Jr. and Sean Ryan is maybe going to pay some dividends if he does have to play and he has that experience now. But um, how would this offense change if they don't have Elton Jenkins? Yeah, again, they're not going to change the way they call plays, certainly not for anybody on the defensive line, uh, at least the defensive tackle position. And I like the way those guys have been playing, certainly since Montez Sweat came back to that October 31st trade. But 
really, you know, Sean Ryan is, is more than capable of playing. Uh, obviously, putting your left hand down does change things, but he played left tackle in college, so he has some experience there. I don't think it's going to change too much. Um, Elgin, J- I've always said this, and, and I know left guard relatively well, and I have a lot of respect for the guys that play it. And I think he's a really good guard, but he's not a physically dominant guy. So when you take him out, you're going to you're gonna lose a lot of consistently good play, but you're not – you're not losing like your enforcer, yep. right? You're not. It's not like you know Brandon Wright on the other team goes out. You're, they're missing their enforcer all of a sudden. It's like when, um, oh gosh, do you remember when the the center for the University of Washington, uh, the center for them for a long time? I'm forgetting his name right now. Olin Kruitz was there. Oh, Kruitz. When yeah. Olin, yeah, when Kruitz came out of the game, it was like, oh, they're not that tough anymore. Kruitz is gone. But so we don't we don't really have that guy yet, right? So these guys are very consistent players. The only really drop off that you can see, I think, on this line is now Zach Tom, but really David Bakhtiari. When he's not in the game, it's just a completely different animal over there at left tackle, regardless of how good that guy's playing. He's never going to be at that level, or at least not this season. Yeah, no, I, I think he'll be able to handle it just fine. And like you said, this interior of the Bears defense isn't exactly gangbusters. So, um, and, and he's got the experience. And we, a lot of people have been asking for more Sean Ryan. Jenkins can't go. They're, they're going to get it this week. But um, hopefully he's able to find a way to go. I'm sure if he can in any way, shape, or form, he will. But that's definitely two big injuries to monitor for the remainder of this week in Preston Smith and Elton Jenkins. Uh, let's talk about the rest of this Packers-Bears uh, game. You've talked about a lot of the keys um, already as we've kind of gone through this. But uh, anything else you're going to be watching specifically in this game for Green Bay? Um. Yeah, there's a couple of things. Uh, the number one thing is these read looks. How, the Pack- how does the Packers – You know, how does Joe Barry – want those defensive ends to play the read looks. If you watch the Atlanta game, the hesitation that comes with playing that, that defensive end position, where am I going to come down square? Am I going to make, am I going to make him um, hand the ball off? Am I going to box him in and make him and make him keep it? What am I going to do? Is everybody on the same page? How are our run fits going to look? They're going to, and I would as well with Khalil Herbert and Justin Fields, they've got two guys that are really, really good runners of the football, whether it's a quarterback or not, he's a very good runner of the football and, he can make those wrong reads right. In other words, you can come down and play square and, and, and show that you want the, the handoff and he can keep the ball and still run around you. He did it in Atlanta. I've got it on tape. So I, I think that part is going to be a big part of this game. I would imagine they're coming in thinking like we should run for 150, 200 yards against the Green Bay Packers defense and they're going to try to do that uh, and, then, and, and then just feed off the play action and some of the razzle-dazzle stuff that Justin Fields can do when he's in the pocket. Uh, and, and then the other thing really for me is Aaron Jones is lighter fluid for this offense. He's it's such a difference when he's in the game from a game plan standpoint, how the defense has to treat this offense um, versus AJ Dillon or any, or, you know, uh, 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 Patrick Taylor. And so when you're playing against the number one run defense and they are committed to stopping the run, I mean, they will give up, you know, they'll give up the sale sevens. They'll give up the crossing routes. They'll give up a lot on play action because they're so worried about stopping the run. You're going to see brisker down a lot. I mean, all of this, they're going to commit. You can't stop running the football with Aaron Jones just because it's going to be tough sledding. And hopefully you you get some plays out like the Atlanta Falcons did where he just makes a couple guys miss. They over pursue and they're playing that aggressive defense. You have some opportunities to reverse with Jaden Reed and all those things, but you got it, you know, through the third and fourth quarter, you got to keep running that football. This, this, again, will be interesting on that side of the football to me. Are we going to force them into a base defense and, and try to attack a single safety look with the passing game? Or are we going to go into nickel? They're still going to probably bring down a lot of single safety, but in situations they'll run four, they'll run some trap stuff on the backside. Do we want to go empty and kind of exploit their, their two-man side? Um, 
like you saw the Atlanta Falcons and some other teams doing, and quite frankly, something that the Packers are good at now with all these receivers. So there's a lot to there's a lot to kind of digest, I think, going into this football game. But really, this is a fun this is a fun Bears team to watch. I mean, they're yeah. they're seven and nine. They're I think they're what five and two, five and three since they brought him over Montez Sweat. There's a real belief that they can play at high level, and their defense in particular, like they they play hard football. Their corners like to tackle. They're, those young secondary guys aren't afraid to make mistakes, and and that's a big deal in the National Football League. Two totally different teams from their week one matchup. Um, and, and on the Bears side, a, a team that was just an absolute mess early in the season. Credit to them for turning. I, man, there was a time earlier in the season. I'm like, I don't know if this Bears team is going to get to three, four wins on the season um, to be where they're at right now. A game behind Green Bay. Um, they, they've done a lot of work. Five and two, I know for sure, in their last seven games with Justin Fields at quarterback. Obviously, they went through that patch with with Tyson Bajant at QB. Um, and it's it's funny to look back at some of the the Chicago headlines at the time. If if Bajan was the better option, and it's like, uh, man, the, the way that they've played as of late, they've really figured some things out. That Montez Sweat trade, which got panned by a lot of people, not for the player, but just the decision at that time making that t- sort of trade. It's worked out tremendously. It, it seemed like there was a time where maybe everyone on this staff was going to get fired, and now all of that's in flux. They have the number one overall pick, a bunch of free agent money, like that they have an opportunity to be a pain for the foreseeable future. So hopefully Green Bay can get through this game when they're not quite there yet, uh, but they're playing much, much better. For, I'm I'm super excited to watch this game. If you had to guess, do you think this is more of a low scoring game, high scoring game? Like what do you, what are you kind of expecting out of this one? I, I think they're going to both score in the twenties. You know, I, I just feel like they're, you know, and I think that's right around what they're, they're averaging. I think the bears are averaging around 20, 20.6. And I think the Packers are somewhere just North of there. Um, but you talk about that Montez sweat trade and like, you sit there and go, okay, you got rid of Roquan Smith, then you bring in Tremaine Edwards and Edmonds and TJ Edwards. And, you know, everyone kind of looks at, all right, you saved a little bit of money, but Roquan's the best linebacker. And, you know, why did you do that? And then you get rid of Robert Quinn. And then you, you sign Montez Sweat in a season that looks like a complete waste. Yep. And I, I, I just wonder, because I've watched that guy on tape a ton, and I think he's a good player, but I just wonder what they saw that made them go like, oh, he's going to make – all these other guys way better. Like he's going to bring all this confidence. It, this used to be the focus of this team used to be linebackers. Like Jack Sanborn and those two guys I just mentioned. Yeah. By far their best group. Now, really, when you talk about where your eyes go when you're watching the tape on these guys, your eyes go to Demarcus Walker and Montez Sweat because Demarcus Walker's playing like out of his mind better than he used to play. And I don't know why, but I think something Montez Sweat, maybe it's the way he – maybe they saw his practice tape, they see the way he practices, how professional he is. I'm not sure, but they got every penny's worth of the money they paid him. I think it was $73 million guaranteed, 105 over four or whatever. But what an absolute, like, fine from Poles and company. And then Justin Fields, is he going to be the Bears quarterback of the future? I, I, I would just say this. Somebody is going to be really happy that he's on their football team next year. And if it's not Luke Getze and that group, I mean, Iberflus is going to keep his job, it seems like, and all this, right? But if they decide to go with somebody else with the number one pick, and you can see why they would do it. Man, I would be salivating if there was an opportunity to pick up Justin Fields and build an offense not dissimilar to how the Ravens started using Lamar early on, to how the Falcons used to use Mike Vick early on because he's literally that kind of arm strength and that kind of elusive, elusive run and, and and lower body. I watched him on tape, and I and I just remembered, like, do you remember when Dante Culpepper, who's a much bigger player, to be fair, he's probably 275, right? He was a monster. But I remember, like, Kabir would try to sack him, and 
Dante was like, dude, I'm 30 pounds bigger than you are. What are you doing? You know, he would he would shrug him off. You see Justin Fields last week doing some of this stuff, and they got defensive tackles draped all over him, and he just walks out of these sacks. You just don't see that with those that position anymore. And so I just can't overemphasize what kind of pressure and leverage that does to a defensive coordinator. It's like that gives you nightmares, man. I'm I'm so intrigued to see what this this Bears team does in the offseason because they're going to have a lot of options. Obviously, they could stick with Justin Fields, trade that number one pick away, probably get another slew of first-round picks because somebody's going to want either Drake May or Caleb Williams mm-hmm. and really start building that team up in a significant way. Or you can sort of reset the quarterback clock, get a potential high-end quarterback on a low rookie deal and see what he can do. And then potentially trade away Justin Fields, get draft capital from that, still have their first round pick that they already have, have second round picks from Carolina. Like either way, like there's not there's not a ton of bad options for Chicago other than if they do trade away Justin, draft a QB and that next QB is just a bust. That's the that's the biggest risk. But um, they've got a lot of interesting options. That's for sure. Can you imagine if. So let's say that you know, they keep him and they got to pay him. So that's the problem, right? That's yep. the big thing with 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 teams now is after this fifth year option deal, like m- the money's way too high. But can you imagine if they get like a, you remember Tommy Harris? Do you can you imagine if they get a Tommy Harris like guy at defensive tackle, or they go out and they get an Olin Krutz type center? I mean, that team all of a sudden goes from you have no chance at anything to like you are really really good, and it happens like that like that's the the, the, to me that's the difference with with how their roster is assembled right now and where their secondary is going to get to in a year from now yeah the difference to me in in having a a elite level all pro caliber talent at the at the middle of your of your line offensive or defense this team do whatever it wants i mean there's that much talent i think around them so it'll be fun to see you're right those second round uh, Bears defensive backs, Jalen Johnson, Tyreek Stevenson, Jaquan Brisker have turned out really, really good for them. That's going to be a core of their team moving forward as well. All right, last question for you before we get you out of here. A, have you ever had to report as eligible to go out to catch a pass? And yeah. B, what was your thoughts on the uh, the whole situation that happened in Detroit, Dallas this past week? Yes. Okay. So A, I did. So I was, um, I was, we were down at Tampa playing the Bucks, and we ran a, we ran the uh, fake field goal. And so I'm running like a 15-yard corner, and Bubba's running the drag across the middle. And that son of a bitch, I got the ball thrown to me, and Bubba ran my route and jumped up in the air and took it and ran into the end zone. So I had – that was my one glory moment. If you ever watch the tape, I literally stop. Like Bubba just jumps up in front of me and steals the ball. He's not even running his damn route. And he steals the ball and runs in the end zone, and I just stop and look like, what the hell just happened, right? <laughs> So that was the yeah, one shot at glory. This this last weekend is deplorable. And then here's what I love about the NFL. I here's what I hate about the NFL, and I also love about the NFL. The NFL made a very easy to see mistake. Like it, it's so clear uh, as to what happened. And as everybody knows now, the referees go to the head coach's like dressing room before the game, and the head coach will be like, "Here's what here's what I want you to look at." And here's a very specific play that we might run, and here's how it's going to look. And I'm going to, and by the way, I'm going to send you know two guys out there. It's not just going to be 60; it's going to be set skipper as well. And they go, oh yeah, sure, 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 sure. And then they do it. It's on tape that they do it. They sh- everything's to a T. They screw it up, and then the NFL comes back and sends out a video and says, oh, you know, this is how it should. It's like 
like I love it makes me I'm it makes me so cynical about the NFL because like I could just see Roger Goodell just sitting in on his throne like people sitting in bonbons and somebody just goes oh we screwed this up again and he goes let them eat cake you know what I mean it's just like they don't care at all they just tell them anything throw it back in their face you know and I it, it's kind of disgusting like the the Detroit Lions should have won that football game or at least been yeah. in the position to win with 30 <laughs> seconds left and they should have what is it home field advantage in the first round and it should be the second it's just such a it's very, very frustrating because you know how much effort goes into designing that play. So I will say this. The Bears overthought it. The Bears overthought it. If they just would have walked over and had Decker go like you mean that. You the Lions. Sorry, yeah, the, excuse me. The Lions overthought it. If, if Decker just walks over and does this, ain't no way the Dallas Cowboys are like, wait a second, why is he doing that? Like, there's no way they're thinking about that. They just it, it wouldn't even come up. Right, and then they stack over seventies over there. They already they've already run that play with an overload line. Like it, it would have made zero difference. The only thing that they screwed up is if you start talking about it, is if the receiver's on the line and he's covered up there. Only one of those guys can be eligible now. So you yeah. you, you had a problem one way or the other. Yeah, the the whole NFL not ever taking accountability thing is always frustrating. Like especially in these situations where it's blatantly obvious, just like just say it. It's not that big of a deal. Everyone's going to forget about it. Then right. um, I had a IT department at uh, one of the jobs that I was at where anything that broke, it was not. It, it wasn't IT's job to fix it. They were just they were just going to be like it was the exact same thing. They were going to tell you how to do it different. And it was just like, no, you like your job is to fix this and to make sure it doesn't happen again. No, you just have to do it different from now on. Every single time, it was the most frustrating thing in the world. There was no accountability whatsoever. Um, And it just gave me like flashbacks to that of like, we would go to them with an issue and they'd just be like, oh, just do it different from now on. It's like, we don't want to do it different. We want to go the way it used to be, but we just, you you screwed something up and now you need to fix it. And I just, nah, do it different. And just a whole rehash of that. I I just, I just sent my kids this, uh, I don't know why I sent it to him, but I sent this my kids this list of like champions mentality versus victim mentality, you know, and it, 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 it like in some ways it describes the situation to a T. And there's, you know, never, never, never owns up, blames other people, makes want feedback. You know, you just going, oh, it's who does that sound like? But they're doing well, man. Listen, to this. I was gonna say it worked out well for them. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they're they not keep, losing they uh, any money. What's that? I said, I said they keep figuring out. It's like, it's like, uh, not to go on a, a complete media rant or anything, but you think about, um, I, I just am in the of of this belief that the NFL is such a successful business, and it's such a fun sport to watch, and it's, but it's, it doesn't have to be for everybody, and it, and it's kind of like things are kind of cool when you have not an exclusive group, anybody can show up. But you yeah. don't pander so that everybody like you don't have to be the gap of of sports, right? You don't have to be the gap. It's okay. You can be like a you can be like a a brand that only some people. It's okay, you know all the all the stuff they're trying to take away and expand the season, and then we're gonna go play a game in Brazil now. I think it's all great, but you don't you don't have to change everything just to just to try to play a game for everybody. And I you know it's it makes it it doesn't stop me from watching the sports certainly. But it, it does take a little bit of the shine off. 
It does. They know that their hardcore audience is going to tune in no matter what they do, like no matter what. You and I are tuning in every Sunday to as many games as possible. That's not going to change. So they're going to keep going out and fishing for more and more people that have not been into the NFL to see how they can get those people in. It's going to probably pander a little bit more to the lowest common denominator because they have us hook, line and sinker. They're not they're not even thinking about us anymore because they know we're going to tune in no matter what. Do you think Al Michaels do you think Al Michaels is not running the playoffs because of the because he wouldn't put Taylor he wouldn't talk about Taylor Swift? I do. Probably. Like I, it, it could be that. It could be just like he seems he's seemed checked out for the last couple of years in general. But how do you blame uh, him? Look at how bad they blame him. The worst job in the world. I mean, how do you try to make a Thursday night game exciting? It was so bad. Yeah, but, that is but, very, but, very but true. he's like he to me, he's the voice of the NFL. I mean, from in my generation, I I love listening to him and I go. I go, you're going to keep him out, and it's because he wouldn't talk about Taylor Swift? I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, it's like things add up, and you just go, I don't get it. Very interesting. Mike, tremendous stuff as always. Uh, tell everyone about the podcast and where we can find all your awesome work. Yeah, I just released our uh, on my block preview uh, of the Packers-Bears game. It's on our YouTube channel, Process to Perform, so check that out if you want the audio version anywhere on the Believe Network, anywhere your podcast. You can find me on You Said X. I, I'm having a hard time with that, but Thank you can you. find me at MikeWall68 on X or a process to perform on Instagram. Andy, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, make sure to go follow him on X as well as check out all of his awesome YouTube work. It is tremendous every single time. You're not going to want to miss it. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can find the podcast at Packaday Podcast. For Mike and I, until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.